Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, and especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mmm, 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 mmm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm. Always in one deafness. That's what they call them. Hmm. Show us, show us how it's done, Jason. Show us the always uh, done in one. Well, deafness. it's funny you should the ask, kid. Harry. Uh, did anybody ever play True Crime New York City? Nope. Uh, no. What is that? No. It's a video well, game, and this think? song is in it. This song oh! is in it. This song is oh, the first time I ever heard this song. Across 110th Street is on that, is in the video game? It is in that video game. That's pretty rad. It's not part of this. It's part of, like, the radio soundtrack that you yeah, listen yeah, to while sure. you're driving around. It rocks. Because presumably uh, you can go to Harlem in that game, yes, right? you can yeah. cross 110th Street. Uh, That's very it is, cool. It is a good video wow. game. Wow. It is in, in dire need of a re-release or remake or whatever. But... That's not going to happen. What is going to happen is we're going to make a little podcast about movies we saw at the Triline Cinema or the Triline Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Movies and we Bobby saw are people we met. we met at the Triline, right? And, and other That's Bobby Womacks that, that we've met. <laughs> uh, you can, sorry, you can find us on Twitter at Triline Podcast. You can find the Triline Cinema at Triline Cinema. Uh, and that's also where you can get, oh, sorry at triland.org is where you also can get tickets to showings and uh, club memberships now and merch and other cool ways to support the Trilon. My name is Jason Daphnis. Um, uh, anybody started fucking with my balls, I'd talk, and you can find me on Twitter at Nintendofus. I'm Cody Narvison. I'm a punk errand boy, and you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. Jason took my first, but luckily I actually brought two this time, so I'm Harry Mackin in Crucifixions or WAP shit. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, my name is Aaron, and I'm sick of your liberal bullshit. And you can find me on Twitter at RB, please. I, I thought for sure Harry was going to take that one. I was like, oh, I thought about it. That was my no. third alternate, honestly. But uh, okay. I'm glad that you got it. We hit the, we yep. hit the spread that time. Whew. All right. Uh, I will say this movie screened as part of the Yafit Kato series, a very short series playing at the Trilon Cinema uh, in August of 2022. Um, but for other showings, for other non-programming stuff, you can find more tickets at Trilon.org. And don't miss another one. Um, uh, I wanted to do a little bit here about the – I just want to plug the Trilon uh, Club membership once more because Cody and I managed to make it to a fun secret screening this past week uh, All about, that was all driven by that. Only had access to it because of the Trilon Club membership. Go to Trilon.org and find club membership up on the website. It's cheap. It's fun. And it gets you access to cool stuff like that. Um, Cody, in three words or less, give me your opinion of the movie we saw for the Trilon Club secret screening. Um. Oh boy, three words or less. Um, boomer baseball business. Wow, pretty good. Uh, if you need any more sell to see three of my Tiger. least favorite things. <laughs> wow. you, guys saw, you guys saw Moneyball oh, at the trial. It's, be, it's better than the sum of its parts. No, <laughs> uh, uh, close second. Uh, I had a more positive opinion of it, but I will not bother because I cannot. I liked it, it too. I, I liked it yeah. too. I had a good time with it. Uh, see, save the tiger however you can. Uh, I guess that's not many ways these days, but it's the movie that we got to see through the Trilon Club. Uh, so that's my plug for now. I will uh, hand the reins off to Aaron and he can uh, guide us across that fateful street into 
the patented Aaron Grossman summary. Which which street might you be talking about, Jason? Uh, I'm not allowed to say the title of the film um, until after you've broken the maiden head on it. So, well, technically, you already did it earlier in the pod, but we are I talking didn't, about. I didn't. Across... Harry did. I just, just, just. Oh, Harry did. Good point. Okay, you know what? Technicality got me there. We are talking about across 110th Street, uh, 1972 film, which is impossible to just like say in casual conversation without doing the cadence from the song. Uh, does anybody else have this where I just across, across 110th street across? Uh, yeah, it's impossible. Um, it is a film directed by Barry Shear, uh, starring Yafit Kato, uh, and Anthony Quinn as two New York city cops, uh, Lieutenant William Pope, who is uh, young black and kind of by the book, still, uh, kind of, uh, working, uh, or attempting to kind of work with this, this strong sense of morality, uh, and Captain Frank uh, Matelli, who is uh, white, who is corrupt, and who is uh, very close to retirement and also quite violent in his kind of everyday dealings uh, with the people that he uh, polices. Um, and it follows them as they attempt to track down $300,000 after it is taken from the Italian mob. Uh, their methods differ, as I mentioned, uh, and the divisions uh, in society that are created by racial and class disparity are brought kind of sharply into focus as they attempt to track down this missing money and go about it in their own kind of unique and interesting ways. Uh, Paul Benjamin and Ed Bernard play uh, the two who steal the money from the mob. Also prominent is Anthony uh, Franciosa uh, as a member of the Italian mob trying to track down the money and Richard Ward, who plays uh, a black crime leader in Harlem. Uh, The film is also known, as I mentioned before, for uh, its prominent use of the theme song, uh, uh, that is the same name of the film by Bobby Walmack. Uh, that's what I got. Jason, take it away. That's what you got. It's not a bad summary. It's not a bad summary. Um, thank you. Now this is a movie, uh, that centers, uh, obviously the racial tensions of the 1970s, particularly in New York. Did anybody else feel like it doesn't like it's two halves of a movie almost like one, one part of those things is playing in the background of the a plot. Well, which is, which is which then? So a plot being but, the, 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 the race to get this money back, uh, from, you know, the people who've stolen it from the mob and sort of, but like in the background, there are like racial politics. There's the rest of the black mob working with the Italian mob to get the money back. There's, uh, those constant allusions to like class divisions. There's, I'm thinking specifically of the scene, uh, and actually Harry brought it up as one of the great shots of the movie where, um, I'm going to forget the character, the name of the character, but the guy with epilepsy who uh, is like one of the three men who steals the money in the first place. Uh, the first time we see him after the robbery is in an apartment building and the people complaining to him about the plumbing. And there's this very like mm-hmm. material reality sort of pushed directly center stage about like, this is uh, like these racial and societal conditions are not very good. And then it sort of like pops back out to uh, a plot, in the, you know, in, in the meantime, and then it pops back to B plot with, uh, you know, with those constant tensions between the black and Italian mobs. I don't know that they ever really, I, I kept seeing them as two halves and I don't know if, if that's because of my expectations of the movie, which I had not seen this movie before, or if it's because I don't know if it was like balancing or trying to work those together very often. So I'm just trying to like work out my own assumptions about it. I, yeah, I would say we'll see. Harry also seems to have something to say. So we'll see if we agree on this. I think this, this could be an Aaron, Harry team up uh, here potentially in the making. Who knows? Uh, I think that that the way you describe it is, I think, correct, but kind of flipped. Where I think that the a plot is actually focused on the criminals and the money and the racial disparity, and you actually get, I would say, a startlingly small amount of time with the police detectives 
uh, tracking down that money. There is a there is a sequence near the end where, uh, uh, you know, the criminals are trying to get away with the money. Uh, the Italian mob is chasing them down, torturing certain people, dangling people off roofs where you I mean, there's there's probably like a, a 20 minute stretch where you, you I mean, maybe in a quick scene here or there, but you generally do not. Uh, follow the cops at all, right? Kind of right before the big climax. Um, I think kind of startlingly so. I, I think that that is also, I think, why I like this movie, that this movie is less uh, kind of police procedural and more this kind of uh, uh, very interested, maybe even empathetic kind of look at uh, uh, the people who kind of are, are trying to pull off this crime and the uh, the societal conditions that kind of drive them to do that. And I think that like okay. that is something that really works for me is that like the police are kind of, you know, I don't think they're kind of mishandled in this film, but they're they're put a bit into the background at certain key moments. And I, I think that that worked for me quite a bit. Yeah, it's looking like this is going to be a classic Harry Aaron team up. Um, yeah, because uh, I would say that this is very much a police procedural the way that you um, both sort of characterized it. But I think the thing that this movie is doing and the thing that I appreciate about this movie so much is that it is a fundamentally about reframing what that police procedural is by making the police themselves a B-plot, right? And furthermore, there's sort of a C-plot or an, an equal B-plot in this movie where the mob themselves sort of have their own strongman investigating the robbers that they're going to um, punish for stealing their money. And something that I think is really brilliant about this movie is it very clearly has those two investigations play out as distinct foils of one another, right? They literally unfold in parallel. We have a main character uh, in the mob in the Italian mafia who is pursuing the criminals at the same time the two cops are. And we get to see the ways in which their investigative techniques uh, are pretty similar and toward a pretty similar end, right? Like, I don't think that there's the cops really make any bones about why they're actually pursuing these criminals and spoilers. It's for the same reasons, right? Like everybody's trying to get this money back, but even more than that, they are trying to send a message about what is and is not acceptable and who is allowed to keep this money and how business is allowed to proceed in their city. Right. And I think that they do a really great job of illustrating the ways in which the, the mafia and the cops are sort of two halves of the same protectorate. In a lot of ways, um, I don't think I fully understood that the first time I saw this movie. So I think I know where you're coming from, Jason, where if you wanted the uh, the ostensible a plot to really be what we were doing, you maybe wouldn't have had the two main characters be the, the big leading men that you mm-hmm. recognize. I think that that works for me because I really like seeing Yafit Kodo and seeing um, Anthony Quinn as the sort of like faces of um traditional film you know and i mm. think that even sort of contributes to the message here where it's like we are so used to the idea that the police procedural is going to be the a plot that the fact that it's not and the fact that we have to sort of reassess these characters in the socioeconomic and racial context of their time as depicted by the film makes it so that you understand these characters differently do you know what I mean? And, and right. in a way that really allows you to empathize better with Harlem and with the criminals themselves, which is something that I really appreciate about this movie. Um, I maybe wouldn't go so far as to say it's it's the best race class intersection movie that I've ever seen. But I will say that both times I saw it, I was like, so 
did the 1970s just like before neoliberalism or the Reaganism, did we just have like a much, much better understanding of race and class in this country than we used to? Because this is an absurdly smart movie compared to like almost anything that touched on race yeah. or class I, I, post I think 1980s. I think right? it's that, like you say, the neoliberalism convinced us we needed to get like really sophisticated about it and like well, I, I just approach think it from like, many different angles when it's actually a very simple like, or just oh, like, there is – an oppressed class and, and, I a, feel and like, a reigning class. Yeah, maybe the the proliferation of sort of like um, ostensibly alternative methods for accruing capital, um, like you know, digital white collar jobs such as we have, or uh, you know, any of the other ways, small business ownership. That was the eighties, right, with Reaganism and everything. But like, there was this idea that like. Actually, it is possible for the working class to rise to middle class hood. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas I feel like in this movie, the real subtext here is that like when Jim Harris is talking about how he is an ex-con disabled black man in his 40s with no education, he's right, right? That there is, is literally yeah. no way for him to pull himself out of poverty. And That's like that sets the stage for the desperation that creates the events of this movie. And it really makes it clear what is happening when the cops go after guys like that, right? They're the yeah. rooms of the system. That's something that I really appreciate about this movie and something that is like, honestly depressing to watch these days because it's like, okay, so in the 1970s, we actually kind of understood the ways in which race and class intersected. And I feel like that is literally just lost history in America at this point. So like this movie is really fascinating for that. And I don't know if that, like if that necessarily um, combats your interpretation, Jason, that, that the, the two plots never really come together the way they did. But I really think that like setting that stage and getting me to interpret the cops the way I did, it helped with that, at least from my perspective. Yeah. I think rather than combating it, it like challenges it. I think what I'm coming to understand through both what you and Aaron have said is like, rather than these racial tensions and class tensions being like a, like a parallel story, they, they underpin like the, the primary story. Like it's just those moments, I guess, because I'm an idiot The when they don't come up, when they don't like break the surface of that, like a plot as I'm perceiving it of like the money is gone. We must re like find and return the money to maintain status quo kind of thing. It's those moments like um, when uh, Matelli and Poe go to confront Don, is it Don, Doc Johnson, not Don Johnson, uh, Doc Johnson and his like lair and, uh, and Johnson plays the, I mean, the, the shitty term for it is like, he plays a race card and says like, Hey Poe, this guy's a racist. You should be with me. You should be on the take because the black mob will take care of you because we're brothers essentially, because like we, we are of like the same community. We, we are like people who can look out for each other. Uh, Poe doesn't take the bait. Um, but it's like one of those moments when it just pops up out of like, and, and like you were saying, when, uh, Harris is talking to, I think it's his girlfriend. I forget if she's a named character, but about like his conditions and his reasons for, <clears throat> excuse me, wanting to sort of like leverage this, that, that like, to identify the weaknesses between the, in this, in this relationship between the Italian and black mobs and steal from both sides, essentially. I uh, like the, I think it's no coincidence that the, 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 um, the handoff that he hits is like a meeting of the black and Italian mobs. Uh, and he's stealing from the both sort of like fucking over them both. Uh, it's those moments when it's like the, 
the point of it, like the fact that these tensions underpin rather than like run alongside the story or like are occasionally hinted to, I think those are when it's strongest to me. And those are the moments that felt like anomalies rather than the point. But now that I'm, again, now that we're discussing it, it's sort of becoming a little bit more obvious, maybe. Perhaps. Um, and I think, I, I guess just like tossing my own two cents into the ring, like even more so than the the A and B plot delineation, which like coming into this, even me, um, a, a, a doofus who recently just saw um, In the Heat of the Night and like, well, any anytime I, I watch a movie from now on where the logline is, hey, a black cop and a white cop need to like work together to figure it out. Like that's just going to be the first thing that I think of. And like that's what was um, like in the back of my mind jumping into this and not not to say that there were like intense preconceived notions of what would happen, but um, I think the thing that um, initially shocked or not shocked, but just like um, like took me back a little bit was just all of the different perspectives that we had. You know, it wasn't just like it, you know it's you know obviously we get the perspe- uh, perspective of the cops, but we you know we get the perspective of the you know we we see up close the robbery take place at at the start, and we follow all the you know the guys who have the money. Um, we follow the perspectives of the Italian mob, the black mob, and like everybody in between. You know, partners, um, loved ones, things like that. Um, and like, it still very much feels like a a police procedural. Um, it still very much leaves you, um, even, you know, from the get go of this sort of inevitability that like, Hey, if you are, (laughs) if you are of a certain, um, you know, if you are black and, or if you do not have money in this country, it is worthless for you to have dreams or have aspirations of any kind. Um, just, and you know, that's, uh, you know, we see that how that plays out, but there's also, like there are also not, I don't want to say like filler sequences, but just like things that add to the texture of uh, like a standard police procedural, just like five minutes hanging out in a busy, you know, like police station before we actually get to, you know, like uh, uh, scenes where somebody's getting interviewed or like we get, you know, uh, evidence that is more relevant to, I guess the, the case at hand. And so I don't know the downside maybe is that I didn't always vibe with the, um, meandering is maybe a little too strong, but that's the only word that I can think of right now. But the the upside is I was very down for whatever like came next, you know, whatever perspective that came up seemed to be feeding into either like the explicit police procedural of it or the subtext of it. Um, yeah. Or both of them at the same time. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, Harry, how does that sound to you? Does that, did that hit you at all? I, like, especially now that you've seen it two times, like does yeah, that. So thanks yeah. for bringing that up. That's a really astute point. Um, I really like the way that you described particularly the texture of this movie. Um, I think that meandering is not necessary. I think it's more pejorative than I would like, uh, especially because I really like this element, but this is a movie that really for both better and worse will never let you forget that it is only one story that is occurring in the midst of many, right? Like from the very beginning, uh, every time we're introduced to a scene, there are a bunch of things happening at once. There are people all over Harlem. There's that incredible shot that you mentioned earlier, uh, Jason, where Jim Harris goes to answer the phone at the bottom of his tenement building. And as he does, the the camera angles up and we see that all of the residents of the tenement are looking down on him from the stairs. It's That to me is like the shot of the movie. Um, but there are a lot of shots like that. Like you said, there's... Um, there's uh, uh, Matelli in the police station 
making it clear that he knows everybody in the neighborhood and he's sort of like the sort of like de facto sheriff almost of the neighborhood. We keep cutting back to the the criminals themselves. Um, Even the Italian mob is so illustrated, right? Like we, we get to know a lot about Doc Johnson and we get to know a lot about their lifestyles. We get to see the introduction to um, the sort of like, uh, What's his name? I can't remember the name of the guy who is like the Italian mafia's strong detective. Okay, yeah, DeSalvio. Like we get to see his home life, right? And we get to see this like really great scene where he is sort of like very clearly doing this sort of like aspirational upper middle class bullshit where like he is throwing this party at his house and he has all of these white people over and he's like really trying to play it up. And then this like old school Italian guy comes in and he's like, Hey, I need you to do this really shitty job for me. (laughs) And, and like, it literally cuts to him in the car. Like, so can you do it? And then it cuts to him looking petrified and he goes, yeah, I can do it. Uh, really great scenes, like really good sort of comic book transitions. But I, I think that like, both what you're saying, Jason, and what Cody, you're saying about the texture, I, I really think that the nuance here is the point, right? Like, I really think that sort of, we've talked about this with like Kurosawa in High and Low and some other movies of his, but like expanding the scope so that it's like, it is a police procedural. You're going to see that happen. But when you subject a police procedural to this more open and nuanced understanding of class and race politics in New York, it changes what the story is, right? You can't look at these cops the same way. You can't look at the mafia the same way, and you can't look at the conclusion the same way that you could. It's a lot like um, the French Connection in that way, right? Where it's like the French Connection is all about, like, by the end of that movie, you see Popeye very differently from how you see, like, a hero cop, right? I think that that's not dissimilar to what we're supposed to do here. In fact, I think that I also thought of In the Heat of the Night, Cody, and I think this movie kind of plays against it, right? I think that like by the end of this movie, Yafit Koto shoots a black man, a a poor black man on behalf of his white quote unquote friend. I don't think that's meant to be triumphant. I think that's meant to be like Yafit Koto is like everybody throughout the movie kept saying he's not a black man, he's a cop. You know, like that kept coming up. And I I think that that's the movie's take as well. Like, I really think that we're supposed to see that tension and come to Mm -hmm. understand it better than we did, which is such a departure from In the Heat of the Night, which is very much a more liberal movie about how actually black people can be really good cops, too. You know? Well, yeah, it's it's funny you should mention that because uh, Yafakoto's one of his final interactions with um, Matelli with Anthony Quinn is like, when are you going to stop seeing me as a black man and start seeing me as a cop? Like as a cop, he he literally says that. Right. And I don't know that I read while watching it. Maybe this is like a second time through thing. I don't know that I read that as like the movie's message. I think it is saying like, Hey, you should start seeing black people who want to be cops as cops too. Like, I, I still think that it's a little bit more maybe straightforward than that. I, I don't, Again, contextually, I cannot imagine what it must have been like to watch this in the 70s. I like I, I won't claim to have any like more knowledge of the context or of the world at the time than anybody else here. But I think like I don't know that I read the movie as having anything more to say on like questioning the role of the police in creating the conditions that led to like this whole all these tensions, all of these like all this social condition 
I don't think that the movie is like actively calling that out and saying, here's the problem. I think it's more saying like, it's questioning the way that the police works. It's more saying, um, you know, the fact that there are racial divisions and that there are essentially racists who are legacied and grandfathered in within the police. That's, that's an issue. That's like something that we want to poke at. That's a tension that we would like to, you know, flare up for the, for the plot. Uh, and let it be like an element of these essentially two competing halves, criminal and, uh, and, and, you know, police, um, black and white, these two essential halves, uh, being, you know, blurred or having some sort of like friction where they meet sort of thing. I, I don't know, like it does definitely end more, <clears throat> excuse me on that, e even like just before the ending, the very ending was very strange. We can talk about that later. Uh, but like the ending act feels to me more like, Hey, we're finally finding some equality in the institution of the police. Cool. You know? Oh, no, I mean, I, I, I think they are. I think maybe you and I just disagree on what the movie thinks about that. And mm -hmm. I think I, I don't disagree with you. I think the movie doesn't go as far as I would like it to mm -hmm. certainly uh, in regard to what you're saying about like the role of the police. So I don't mm -hmm. think I'll be able to convince you, but there's just some corroborating evidence, right? Like the fact that the uh, mafia and the cops are so very clearly foil parallels to each other in this movie feels like something they wouldn't have done if they didn't want us to draw those parallels to an hmm. end. Um, to me, giving the criminals the amount of screen time monologues, those heartbreaking moments where they're talking about their dreams at the end, right before the cops come. Um, all of those things probably wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have occurred if we weren't supposed to be at least a little bit um, angry with both of the sort of pursuers. And then finally, I think that just Mattelli himself, maybe like this is diluted by the fact that he's basically doing um, the French connection, but like, the fact that he's openly racist and he says that his way gets results and that he's not wrong about that um, is like kind of important to my reading of the movie in the sense that like this dude is like a dude who is like literally an old West sheriff, literally Yafit Koto says like, you're going back to the forties. Like we, this went out with prohibition, all that stuff. Um, he doesn't learn to do better. There's like some suggestion that Yafit Koto's character is, is turning him. But I think mm. it's more that like, I kind of read Pope Yafit Koto's character as having a coming of age in this movie and becoming more of a cop than a black man by the end of it. I think that that's kind of what is symbolic of um, him shooting uh, Jim Harris at the end. That being said, I definitely don't disagree with you. I think that this movie is like very 1970s in the sense that like, I'm not like, I can't read 2022 into this. I don't think this is an ACAB movie. I don't think it's a movie that says like we should abolish the police. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the absence of politics that clear, I think that there is room to read it either the way I guess I'm reading it or the way you're reading it, where it's just like, well, we're critiquing the police, but that's because we want people like Yafit Kodo to be on. Right. Right. You know, it's, um, I don't know. I think I think that you're right. I think that there's I think that one of the interesting things about this movie for me anyway is that I think there are tensions either way you read it in a, in a way yeah. that that feels um pointed and interesting to me that that uh um sharpness, I guess. Right. And I think that's why I rely more on like those individual character moments and motivations like 
uh, like Aaron said, you don't spend nearly as much time with the cops as you do with, uh, I guess, the criminal element in this movie. Um, but what you do is like it's building Pope, and I've been saying Poe this entire podcast, so I just want to go back and say that I've, just that's not a character. Air. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, it's still on my mind. Um, Pope is like he is eager to prove himself, like. Aaron said in his summary, sort of book learned, he's, you know, quote unquote, fresh out of college. Somebody calls him. Um, he wants to prove that he's worthy of cophood, but not only in, in the terms of the old generation. He doesn't want to like live up to their standards. He wants to, you know, be, he's the young whippersnappers type. And yet at the same time, he's also, uh, you know, a very strong symbol of sort of a, a diversified future of the force sort of deal. Um, but there, and uh, on the exact other half of that, as his foil, Mattelli is like increasingly afraid of like his waning relevance. He wants to uh, get a payday and get out. It's not like that clear that that's what he wants, but it's alluded to many times. Um, one of the first scenes we see Mattelli in, and one of the, I think it is the first that he meets Pope, uh, is when his chief comes by and says, "Like you're 55 years old. I'm 55 years old. It's time for like like department wants uh, Pope in charge of things." And from that point on, all I could think about is how fucking old Anthony Quinn is in the, or rather his character is in this movie and how that must, cause that's gotta be the only thing on his mind, how that must be changing, how he's interacting with Pope, how he's approaching people like there, the scene where he's greeting everybody at the police station and saying like, no, get this person out of here. We're not going to charge them with anything. He's like neighborhood. He's Mr. Rogers it with, you know, every, uh, you know, corner street dealer and lady of the night uh, in the room, just like. Um, pushing his way through and old friends type. Um, but I was thinking like those essential, those moments rather than their um, like how the movie positions them, it's those moments of what I see them doing and what I, and how that, uh, uh, excuse me, how that marries against what I know about them, I guess, like the, the moment that really sealed it for me or clicked was near the very end, just before they go to like, find Jim Harris. Doc has given them the hint about where he is and they're about to head out. And Yavikoto says, fuck it. I'm not going to like be uh, a slave to the mob. I'm going to like branch out on my own terms. I'm not going to like, what is it? Mattelli tells me he's like the bill comes later or whatever. Like you will, you will be pinched by the mob later. And he decides to go anyway. And he asks captain, are you coming? And there's this like little tiny moment that's, you know, fraught with significance where Mattelli is like, that's his moment to decide, are you coming into like the future of like, are you going to be, are you going to belong to the force? Or are you going to leave like something like a legacy? This is probably the last big thing you're going to do. Are you going to do it and have like merit on the police's terms? Are you going to be seen as like uh capable of change and achievement later in your career? Or are you going to sit around here? I wish he had just sat around there. Honestly, I wish the movie had just ended with him going back to doc and begging for a payday or begging for forgiveness or something rather than like, yeah, I'm going to go and, uh, you know, hunt down this, this guy. And because at the end of the day, it ends up just being a movie about the cops killing a, 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 a black man in poverty, I guess. Um, I've really allowed that to go rambling on, but I think like what I'm trying to say is that it's the essential, like the things that define, uh, the characters are not like how they approach a situation more what, with like how what we learned about their motivations and how those impact the way that like i guess they act throughout the movie i don't know if there's any, any meaningful distinction there sure i mean i think that i think that you hit on something really good and worth discussing um that is sort of a um point against my sort of reading of the movie which is just that like the movie does want you to sympathize with Mattelli more than you should i think 
Um, this is like very much like a what it, it it's pretty funny actually, and I think that contemporary reviewers said this too. But it's so clearly like, hey, what if we made Popeye and Mister Tibbs partners in New York, and then we just did that movie? And it's like, hey, I mean, fair, I guess. But the problem with it is that they keep giving Mattelli who is also played by the producer, Anthony Quinn, the biggest movie star in this movie, like weird sympathetic scenes, like the one in the, uh, in the precinct where he's talking to everybody or when they're walking up the stairs of the tenement building and he's like, oh, I did live somewhere like here, right? Like uh, Pope says to him, like, how'd you like to live in this toilet? And he's like, I did live here. And it was like, holy shit, man on the scene. It's actually fine that he's a white dude because he lived with the black people. You know, it's one of those things. And then like that scene where they're consoling um, the driver's dead wife and uh, Mattelli's like trying to be nice to the kids and he's like giving her money and stuff. All of those things definitely do corroborate towards reading that like, okay, I get it. The new school and the old school have to meet in the middle, especially for a cop movie like this where like that is such well-trodden ground. Um, so that is to say, and especially the fact that the very weird ending happens, right? Where uh, the the um, Italian black mafia guy like um, snipes, Matelli from like 16 rooftops away with a silenced pistol. And then the movie ends literally as he's falling to the ground and we freeze frame on a black hand clutching a white hand. No, as- we don't. What? No, we don't. We don't freeze. We freeze frame on their, their grasp being broken. That's oh, that's, okay. That's, 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 the, that's the, I knew somebody was going to bring up that. We've fucking broken. We've shot. broken. We've broken the alliance to fucking no. We've broken the alliance is, between Aaron and Harry. It is shattered. Aaron Harry alliance ding, ding. has been has been no. It is the it, it is about the inability of that uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, peaceful notion to to come to light due to the structure of society. Yeah, and oh, I think that's if a good point. You are a police officer, uh, and you're you know you're Yafet Koto's character. You will, yes, have to shoot a, a black man as he's running away right. with a bag of money because that is what the police. Kind hmm. of okay, yeah, but do, like, right? so why didn't why didn't the movie end on that? Why why shoot Mattelli? I think that it would have been a stronger point if Mattelli didn't die because now Mattelli's like a weird martyr in this movie, and I don't, I don't like that. A, I don't think he's a weird. So why I, so why did it happen? It feels like an overreading. Uh, I, I I mean that that is an element of the the plot, I guess. Uh, I mean, it, see, it but that's ties that's my problem the... with it is that I don't think that my reading, which is your reading, the reading I yeah. like, I don't think I can construct a decent reason why Mattelli dies, if not to like sort of make him like sympathetic in retrospect. Yeah, in it's, a the, it's it's the it it's it's the end of kind of the old guard as the you know the the kind of the white. The solely white police force. Uh, yeah, no, I, I get long it. Long in the tooth. Well, sure, but I'm trying to answer your question. Long oh, I'm sorry. In the tooth, uh, uh, you know, who who is afraid of of you know Yafet Koto's character, who is kind of younger. Uh, he is uh, certainly doesn't buy into the same kind of uh, assumptions of corruption uh, that, that you know uh, that that Quinn's character needed to in order to operate when he was younger, and maybe didn't actually need to, right? But he told himself he needed to in order to pay off gambling debts, in order to kind of secure his financial position. And he's afraid of this kind of young person coming in, besting him, being able to do his job without kind of the same kind of uh, corrupt tax tactics that he's used to and that he kind of endorses. Um, and it, it's about kind of the passing of the torch that I think in the end is, is not a, a passing of the torch, right? There is no there is no reconciliation between those two viewpoints. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I just don't think I read it that way because Yafit Koto's character is all about sort of like 
becoming friends with Matelli in the sort of classic procedural uh, sense. They they like each I, other I more by the end of this movie than they did at the beginning. The last thing Yafit Koto's well, sure. character does is save Matelli's life by killing an arm or killing a dying black man for him. Yeah, and then, I, I, yeah. And then Matelli I, I, gets I, shot anyway. I just think I that think like that is a that is a, a a sad moment in the film. I think that that is a, a he, they he ended needs on to, it, though. He makes a binary choice at the end that he needs to do to who he is and his job. I think that is right. a, a no, combination I mean, I think, of policing in general. Yes, no, I, I agree with that. I just don't see why we had to do the like noble end of the old guard, right? Like if this movie was about how the old guard noble. was I think always it's pessimist. I, I, I do keep, we keep cutting each other off because we're, sure. I don't know. No, I'm it's okay. I just, but it's not a noble ending. It is a very pessimistic, like, uh, sure. It's pessimistic, but of, like, I think the takeaway is that Yafit Koda's character is going to learn something from Mattelli because Mattelli is his fallen friend. I think that's why you kill Mattelli at the end of this movie. And I don't think that there's an argument for otherwise. Like, I don't know why you kill him otherwise. I I, I think that the the tone of the final shot, uh, and and specifically when when I'm I'm trying to think about like what a movie, like what is is the final like send off here? I I do tend to think that like the final shot 90% of the time is kind of the the key to that. And I do think that like... I mean, I mean, I don't know, man. I would just say, like, go. I think that final shot is like very specifically, you know, done in a certain way where they are holding hands. He is comforting him, and then that grass breaks, and like, yeah, you know, no, I mean, I, I hope so. Roll. I just, I, mean, I just think that, like, yeah. maybe I don't disagree with you. I want to read the movie that way. I do read the movie that way, right? They it's do. just that hop on the air. Well, no, I mean, I just think that then killing Mattelli is bad. I think that that was the wrong ending for this movie. And I think it's kind of it. It really like he's a a day before retirement. He's, you know, yeah, um, I just think. But like, why? Why make it this this sort of like weird nostalgic thing right at the last second there? I just don't think it works very well. Uh, to have him die that way. And I think that it like, it sort of leans into some of the trouble that I have throughout this movie where like Mattelli is a little bit oversympathetic and he and Yafit Koto are supposed to have this sort of like buddy cop relationship that blossoms through the course of the film. And Yafit Koto's character kind of becomes more of a cop by the end of the movie. It's like, I, you, you're talking about how like there is no reconciliation between the old guard and the new guard. I think my reading of this movie is much more like the old guard becomes the new guard because there's not really any difference. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think, uh, I, I would disagree with the idea that, that Quinn's character is sympathetic. And I would also disagree mm-hmm. with the opinion that, uh, Yafikato's character in any way bends until that final decision, which is, I think, a, a binary decision that he needs to make that is a, a, it, it is not bending. It is a final break that is necessary as opposed to a character slowly being acclimated. I, I do not think up until that point he falters unless there's something I'm forgetting, which is possible, I guess. But uh, Cody, what do you think? He's a cop. Hey, yes. hey. He is. He is. He's a cop. Uh, that is a shirt that is coming soon to the Tri-Love shop. Um, <laughs> not the Tri-Love tri- cop. Um, I guess my... I when I watched the ending of this movie, I, I felt like it would, and I saw that shot and the credits started rolling. I felt like it was an appropriately murky, non-satisfying end to like a very murky, like movie that does not <laughs> make you feel particularly good because like with, with Mattelli, there's yeah. Um, you producer of the film, somebody who the, a, a white cop who, yeah, the film, 
as y'all have said, as we've said that the movie is like trying to get us to sympathize with like, um, you know, perhaps a little, a little too more. He does. He has that conversation with, um, with Pope near the end that one of their, their last interactions and like this, maybe this was just more on my mind than it needed to be. But, um, the whole, like, you know, he was sort of, he it's, it's Mattelli sort of, um, what, what was that great line that his colleague had? Um, like he, he was, um, he's made, he's started to make peace with his reality. He's like, you know what? I am getting old. And he like, I, I think starts to pursue an inroad where like, you know, Oh, I'll just like retire. And like this sort of thing will get handed over to you. And Pope is like, I like do not, you know, treat uh, yeah, like the whole, when are you going to look at me as a cop instead of yeah, a black he says, person? Stop like, patronizing me, right? Yep, stop patronizing me. Like I like I want to earn this on my terms. And he and like def- somebody definitely correct me if I'm mischaracterizing. And that's but that's kind of what I read as like Pope's um, uh, dynamic with like the the black mafia as well. And so it's there's a lot of um, I I don't I don't know I guess like bittersweet sort of you know okay Mattelli gets shot there is an attempt at humanizing him, but like ultimately he gets executed and like, he doesn't get to, you know, get that one last payday because dude's dead. He's a dead cop, um, a, a dead white cop, um, another shirt. But, uh, and then on, on Pope's side, he, he like gets to, you know, ascend through the ranks now, you know, potentially like literally take that spot, but it's in a way that feels dirty to him. It's in a way that he never like, like he didn't want, like that is not on his terms. Like that's something that he cannot. So I, I don't know. And that's however that might play symbolically into like their, their hands clasping and then fa- falling apart. I don't know. And I think that's maybe uh, a, a huge um, like point in this, in this film's favor overall for just throwing so much stimulus and like perspectives and like variables and, like micro threads for this, like these two, like these A and B plots feeding into each other where like there is so much weight um, and so much going into that final moment where like, I don't feel particularly great or like not great about that ending because uh, I don't know, we all just were, we're sitting here in the mud um, Mm -hmm. and this is, this is what we made for ourselves. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately I think that, and again, I don't really want this to be the case, but like, I kind of think that, uh, Anthony Quinn's character, um, Mattelli and, and Pope's final interaction kind of corroborates the idea of the sort of changing of the guard because like, it's literally like, it's not, it like, Mattelli is straight up asking Pope like, hey, don't tarnish my legacy. He's like, now you know that I'm corrupt, that I take money from the mob. Uh, I take their quote unquote gambling money. There's this great scene uh, where he says like, oh, but when I when I take bribes from the mafia, I just take it from the gambling, not from the drugs or from the whores. So that means it's okay. And then uh, there's a really great monologue cutting that down where they literally say like all that money just comes from the people beneath us clean or dirty it's all the same but he's he like comes sort of almost like weirdly had in his hand to pope and he's like hey i know you want my job but like maybe don't whistleblow on me in order to get my job and pope has to be like i would never i would never cut a homie like that like he literally does the like esprit du corps it's like we don't tattle on our cop friends and then it's like so we get that we get that like this is the this is their come to Jesus moment where they're meeting and he's like, no, we're bros now. I'm not going to turn you in. And then Mattelli gets martyred at the end of this movie. And it's like, oh, like, so now you're right. Like, we get to see 
the changing of the guard, the changing of hands, but like Yafit Koto is clearly going to quote unquote protect Mattelli's legacy. Like I really read this as like there really was something to learn from that old man after all, flawed though he may have been, you know, and like that's I, something that really bothers me about this movie at the very end of the day. Mm-hmm. I I guess I try not to be a centrist in many things in life, but I'm having to. I I have to agree with Cody that I believe the ending of this movie, like that final shot, is intentionally ambiguous. Like, are, will will Pope go on to protect the legacy of people like Mattelli? Um, you know, cer- certainly to an extent because he is still a cop, because he's still proudly a cop, because he wants. Which to Which is be my like favorite thing the about best this version. movie, right? It's like right. there there is I, no actual good ending here because like whatever the older new guard is, it's still Pope. He's still a right. cop. Right. And, and I think like if we're giving Pope the benefit of the doubt as somebody who does like insist on a new way of doing things and all of the things that, that means, if it means like a non quote unquote regressive or not on the take or not racist policing style, not to say that that's better. I think this movie again, still operates in the, in the space of like, yeah, the police are generally a, a, a just institution. That's, that's my issue with it is like regardless of how you read the ending i think it ends up as like it's not saying that the concept of being police is is like a a thing that's troubled or problematic i think that it is saying like will the new guard become the old guard has did he actually learn anything from metelli was metelli martyred or was metelli sort of like uh another needless casualty kind of thing i think the thing that would have convinced me of your uh, line of thinking, Harry, is if Mattelli had been the one to perform some heroic act at the end and then still died, I would have taken it as, yeah, that's that's clearly what the movie's doing. It is implying that there is something still to learn, a certain heart, a certain, um, you know, uh, like you said, esprit du corps about from, you know, the Mattelli's of the world that the popes of the world can take forward and like use as to, you know, sustain a legacy. I, we, we don't get that until if I remember correctly, just spends most of that final sequence chasing, running, and then literally dying. Um, and I think that's what makes me lean more toward Aaron's point that it was like, it is, you know, just in, just not necessarily tragedy, but like the natural outcome of two different, groups to different like styles to to different motivations trying to come together when they necessarily cannot in that time. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that, I guess. Um, just because like, I think that like, I think, I think that the black mafia shooting the cop was supposed to be sort of like this thing that was going to push you at Kodo, I guess, or like, I don't know. The thing that works for me about this movie is just the class. I think ultimately it's like, no matter what happens, right? Like if the mob wins, if the cops win, they're going to keep fighting over the corpse of this poor dude. And like, that's the point, I guess, like overarching is just that like, Hey, like now, you know what a police procedural looks like to the people who are actually going to be affected by it. And it looks like two different sort of like ruling factions that aren't that different squabbling over, uh, the money that they stole from poor people in the first place. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that works for me. Um, I just don't know why. I mean, I, I think, I think maybe you're right. Right. That like, I, I don't think Mattelli is supposed to be heroic in any sense in this. I think he's supposed to be real, but I think that there's supposed to be something rooted in the reality of him that makes him semi-sympathetic. I just don't know why they would give him so much sympathy otherwise and or why they would kill him at the end of this movie. 
um, I guess. Like, I, I think that, like, ending on the murder of Jim Harris is so much better than ending on the death of Mattelli in sort of establishing the bleakness that we're talking about. Um, but one sort of, like, final point of favor for me in this movie's um, favor is that, like, after I watched this movie both times, I was like, this movie seems like it's so smart. It seems like it's so ahead of its time uh, in terms of its its racial and um, economic politics, especially how class and race intersect. Was there like just a higher class consciousness in the 70s or how was this movie received? And then I like looked up all of the like liberal uh, academia reviews of this movie. Like Gene Siskel gave it like a one and a half and he was just like, yeah, just made me feel bad. Siskel just had really- some interesting... Yeah, just yes. some, it's really nihilistic. Uh, there's just it, it's like there's no it's like there's no way for these two groups to reconcile with each other, and it's just always going to be bad. It's like look, the black man was reaching out for the white man's hand, but then a different black man killed the white man, and I don't like that very much. It makes me feel bad, and it's like, damn, that actually uh, <laughs> that makes me like this movie a lot more. That like shitty critics in the 1970s were like, no, this is too dark. It's too brutal. It's too violent. It's it's too unsparing in its depiction of what it's like to be poor and black in New York City. It's like, so maybe there's something to that. You know what I mean? Just the, the fact that, like, we needed something this bleak to, like, really kind of, like, wake people up. And it, it is the sort of thing where it's like, I don't know that we get movies where cops are bad guys like this the way that this one is. Uh, and I really appreciate it for that, I suppose, whether or not my feelings about the treatment of Batelli and our sort of equivocations back and forth on that score can be easily reconciled. And I don't think they can be. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just interesting to see how this movie was received. Yeah, for sure. The same space that we were talking about where it sort of puts the character at the center and sort of lets you make the assumptions that you will about it and sort of like interpret and build where you will. It's not like a piece of experimental art, but it's definitely like leaving some ambiguity in space there for better or for worse. And it does like it sees that from early in the movie. And I think that the ending is just another case of that. Like I don't feel I wish. Yeah. You. Oh, I don't think it's as ambiguous as you think it is, but I appreciate okay. that reading. I, I seek your approval at every turn. So I do appreciate that you appreciate it. Uh, is that, was that the final of our thoughts? Is that where we should, I guess that was kind of a, kind of, we emptied the drunk junk drawer uh, with once, once we got some crosstalk from Aaron and Harry it was, I think we sort of popped the lock on that puppy and started going. Were there any final thoughts before we uh, get to our final segment of the show? Uh, lots of great character work in this. Lots of very, oh, yeah. very great 1970s character actors. Richard I think Ward even Nick, the weird yeah. like evil mafia guy. He keeps doing this thing with his mouth where he like makes a V and like holds the sides of his. And I really like <laughs> that just because it's like, God, this guy sucks. He's gross. Um, and his big nepotism. smile. He's like, yeah. he's, like yeah. he's, he's like an Italian he's a, mob guy, but he's like a nepotism hire. He's it's a like, nepotism everybody. guy and his name is Nick. Yeah. So he's probably not Italian, which like sort of adds to that whole thing. <laughs> um, I really love, uh, we talked about it before, but Doc Johnson has this incredible voice. He's oh the leader God. of the uh, black branch of the Italian mafia in um, Harlem. Uh, he sounds like I, a machine. Yeah. I, he sounds so good. All three of the criminals are really good too, especially uh, the guy, the first guy to die, the driver. I think his name's Mr. Johnson, right? Uh, the, Henry J. Jackson, I want to say. Jackson? Okay, Mr. Jackson. Uh, he, uh, he's really hilarious in this movie. Um, but all three of them are really great, uh, character actors and really good at what they're doing. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say that like 
maybe you're right, Jason, in the sense that like I think that this movie like it operates so well as like a what happens when we examine characters, but we examine characters on the basis of environment and realities rather mm. than sort of interior existential motivations, right? Sure. Because I feel like so many movies are about the character study of a cop is about who the cop is. Whereas in this movie, there are a lot of great characters, but the reason why they are characters and what we're looking at them is like, this is what the city is. This mm. is what realities are. And I think right. that that's a really refreshing approach to a police procedural. Um, I think so, so I think, too. I think that I, I totally get what you're saying about like putting the character in the situation, having the situation be bigger than the character and just sort of like seeing what happens says more about the environment than the characters themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really important for a movie like this. Um, on the note, uh, just one other bit of character work. Um, it, he wasn't on screen for a long time, but uh, I recognize Burt Young in the the film's opening sequence. Yes, sir. Um, who, who, yeah, Harry and I saw in all the marbles. He's in uh, the Rocky movies. He's in Chinatown. He's in Once Upon a Time in America. He's in um, this movie called Win Win, which I don't know if uh, any other person here has seen it. Nope. And I was I was like, oh wow, this movie's gonna have some Burt Young in it. And then I remembered like the plot of the movie, or just like <laughs> he, he like, gets basically like, cut in half by a machine gun yeah, in the first right. scene. Like, yeah, like the plot of the movie is like everybody's chasing money around from this uh this uh a current this job where like everybody got moitered in seconds um torn <laughs> apart by me bullets at, um, me at 45 seconds into a across across 100 it happened to me too aaron i i couldn't say it without the inflection across 100 and <laughs> me at 45 seconds into watching this movie oh yeah hell yeah and for some burt young action me at one minute 15 seconds in oh no he would hey, get, where did you nominated for rocky a few years just after this oh wow that's shout wild. out to burt young yeah. star making film across 110th Street. uh you know i'm not gonna say it's not yeah, yeah. uh where jim harris really really did some work with that nine millimeter machine gun huh holy christ really terrifying machine gun deaths in this movie <laughs> like yeah. unlimited uh, ammo am i right fellas hey. i know i i don't think you see him reloading you do a single time after he kills the cop at close range, and it's not on screen. You just sort of see him doing something with his shoulders and hands that sort of implies reloading, but like it's a close up on his face. But yeah, he does. He on he that has to have yeah. like a two hundred fifty round clip in that machine gun. It's yeah. a it's a Call of Duty two ass weapon. You know, it's like a <laughs> World War two sub bay multiplayer. Well, is that what, is that why between oh, between video. scenes the the game or excuse me the gun has like a metallic gold sheen in the next one it has a it has a, a skin he bought for yeah, he prestige. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he crouches and calls in yeah. his airstrike oh, boy. triple EXP he does, for killing cops he does kill a lot of people i mean you know i mean you know he, he kind of kicks the shit out of everybody near the end of that movie it's uh this movie it's uh he it's does good. really i mean he gets shot like three times uh before finally kicking it but all, along the way he just keeps ruining people's Man, lives they uh they play the tragedy heavy at the end of this huh yeah first he has yeah. that that horrible conversation with Gloria about their dreams. And then Gloria gets shot in the head off screen, basically. And you just sort of like realize that she's dead. When yeah. you see her in the back, looks like she's still second. standing. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's yeah. really horrible. It's it's a little bit like the uh, the blue velvet thing where the the guy gets killed and at the end and he's just like standing, just standing. there in the room yeah. and he looks like he's still alive and it's like ah oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> but uh, or like he throws the money down to a bunch of black kids that are playing on a playground at the end of this movie. It's like that's one of those touches that's like so maudlin, but I did really like it just to sort of like really drive home that like hey wait a minute like when you think about it like. I think it's really important to this story that they stole money from the mob. So like organized crime is, is crime. All of that money is stolen from people in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like they're not supposed to have it. So like, really it's about, this is a movie fundamentally about cops trying to steal back money and the mob trying to steal back money that was in turn stolen from the people who are suffering for it. <laughs> you know, it's like, they're not exactly Robin hood, but they're not like, but Stealing from the mafia the is not like, wow, wow, oh my! We're no done. one's ever made that. Uh, no one's ever done that one before, Jason. Mm-hmm. They're they're also literally not robbing the hood. They're robbing the mafia. It's very important <laughs> that they're not robbing the hood. <laughs> they they've crossed 110th Street. Yeah. Uh, so shout much. out to the all of the. Uh, all of the a lot of cool practical stuff in this film. A lot of good looking. Squibs. Blood and gore, a lot of mm-hmm. good squibs. Uh, the scene where one of the uh, one of the robbers is is like dying in the, in the uh, like an ambulance or like a Henry J. Car. Jackson just just all fucking cut up, uh, quite yeah. quite gruesome and kind of a gnarly way. Um, it's also implied that he was or said that he was uh, crucified. He and was castrated. Yes. He was crucified way, and castrated. So. He had a pretty it is, bad, bad. It is it is a there. rare movie where you see something that like gruesome, where his eyes appear to have been gouged or stabbed or something, and then later they're like, and yeah, it was even more fucked up than you ever even knew. He was crucified, and they cut his yeah. testicles off just that to was, remind uh, you that it was. That was awful. a big focus of the contemporary reviews. They were like, this movie's too violent. Really? Like oh God, it's awful. They're it's pretty like, cool. Yeah, it's also, let's throw in this extra punishment <laughs> with this test. Uh, cool it is just kind of yeah. Sorry, a cool shot of a guy on fire climbing out of a car that's on fire, mm-hmm. uncut, and like, yeah, that's a nice. Can see a few more of those. Just guy just rolling all over the ground and yelling, just like, yeah, there's there's some some nice gnarly stuff in this film. But, you know, yeah, at, uh, uh, when yeah. Jimmy Harris, very sad, gets shot in the chest, the blood like dribbles out of him for like full five seconds. It's like it's not quite like an arterial spray, like in uh, like um. Sandro, but like it really does like it just looks like somebody hooked like a tube up to him and just like like a garden hose and it was like ah (laughs) yeah so some some pretty rough stuff happens in this movie it's a lot it's a lot well that i'm gonna call the junk drawer we're closing that puppy up i need to get a sound effect here that's like for closing your junk drawer with the little tinkle tinkle of the metal handle uh but for right now because i don't have that we just need uh some other dulcet tones uh from my friend harry mackin who's going to lead us into our next and final segment of this episode dulcet is such a generous way to describe this thank you jason uh this is the final segment of our show the best segment the segment that we like to call (gasps) cody's Cody's My drawer don't tinkle, tinkle, it's closed. Thank you, gentlemen, for that uh, lovely 55-year-old introduction. Uh, It's Yafet Koto Day here on Trilove. I just decided that now. And so in honor of him, we'll be taking a look back at his life and times through a segment I like to call Koto's Nodos. You're welcome. Uh, Or 
your dots, depending on how you feel about that. This will be pretty straightforward. Uh, what I'm going to do is alternate between the three of you um, and just get a different permutation in the mix. We'll do the complicated reverse alphabetical by last name order, which would give us Harry, Aaron, and then Jason. Um, I did the math <sighs> in advance. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, and one at a time, I will read a prompt related to Yafet Koto, and you'll make the determination of if the alleged assertion is true or false. It's that easy, folks. True or false. One of, one of two answers. If you're correct, you'll get a point, and the person with the most points at the end will win. As always, Trivia Mafia rules apply here, so use your noodles, not your Googles. With that, let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, there will be three questions uh, for each person, so nine questions total. Um, more math for you, but we'll start with Harry. Uh, Harry, your first question uh, or assertion rather is as follows. And you're going to tell me again, if it's true or false, going by tomato meter score across 110th street ranks among Yafet Koto's five most well-reviewed films. Is that true or false? Oh man. Uh, I know it, you just uh, funny that it landed on you. you. You had that whole diatribe about um, reviewers with this movie. I, actually, um, it's got it like out. an 83 or something. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm helping these guys out, but like, I'm trying no, to think it's, of, uh, it, this one's it. just for you. Every, everybody will get their own, oh, their own questions. Okay. So like we got blue collar instruction, alien. Those have blue to be better. Attention. I think that, I think this one might be, it, it's either like, this is going to be a tricky one because it's like, it's number five, number six, or number seven, I want to say. But I I guess I'll go with it being number five and say true. All right, Harry is going with true. Uh, it is indeed number seven, so that is false. Right outside the circle. Could you give uh, me the top bless five? Bless you, Aaron. It looks like you sneezed. What's that? Uh, I don't have the top five up. Um, okay. Alien's probably in there. Alien, blue power, definitely Alien. on there. Yeah, Alien bet. is Aliens number two. Blue Collar is definitely in the top five. There is one. It was like some, I want to say a documentary at number one. Something. That what? Oh, moved. that's cheating. Fuck that. Bummer. Hey, yeah. If, o- if only, if only that wasn't included on the list. To Harry if, if only that's if right. that wasn't included on the list, Harry would have only lost by one spot. <laughs> Yeah, documentaries you, aren't real movies and animated films are all canonically for children you hear Whoa. it here first on trial that that's uh, also correct yeah. thomas crown uh, wasn't very good remember we saw that i thought i it fell was asleep good. in it yeah. i liked yeah. it there was that horny chess scene shout out to I the re- horny chess scene i regret missing the horny chess scene generally shout out to the horny chess scene yeah well and shout out to the like loop in the third soundtrack to that movie that was really sick that like Jan Lupus III sort of was like, doing Thomas Crown Affair, motherfucker. No, that's okay. So no point for Harry there. Uh, we move along to, to Aaron. Aaron, this is your first of three questions that are just for you. Uh, etched with a golden Aaron Grossman nameplate. Um, so you better get better get it right. Um, oh, but here's oh. here's the uh, the the thing, the statement, if you will. Yafet Koto was shorter than his alien co-star Sigourney Weaver. Is that true or false? Yeah, the Koto kind of has like a short king energy. I'm going to say true. All right, Aaron is going with true. Uh, that is false. A Yafet Koto, um, Lord He's may he rest in, uh, rest in peace, um, uh, was allegedly six foot three when he was alive. Sigourney Weaver, somewhere around five foot 11. These are all six alleged. Foot three? Jesus. Six Koto, foot three inches. A tall king, baby. You a love to hear king, it. For sure. Just a wow. king. Apologies to him, you know? Damn. Yeah. 
makes you think. Um, so yeah, no point for Aaron there. We're we're still uh we're we're, we're grappling. We're we're trying to make our make our name heard and known. Make our scores uh, show up on the board as uh, a number greater than zero. Uh, Jason is next in line to make that happen. Um, <laughs> setting it up for you, Jason. This is your uh, your first of three. Yafid Koto was offered the role of Lando Calrissian, but turned it down. Is that true or false? I think it'd be pretty funny if I won this round, so I'm going to say true. Jason is going to say true. Um, uh, you're correct in that it would be funny if you won. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and it is also a, it, is, it, it is also a true statement. Um, and oh. uh, there, it's yep. So um, I I'm not going to do the full like I, I could quote him verbatim, but it was essentially following Alien. He was offered the role of Lando Calrissian, and he wanted something different because Alien and Star Wars were both big outer space movies, and he was afraid of getting put into a box or getting. He, he was also like, the world isn't ready for how hot I would be as. Okay, Lando okay, also, <laughs> hot, hot I yes, mean, yeah. As opposed so, to, I, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah, I feel. I feel like Yafakato would not have been able to be like slimy enough to be Lando Calrissian. You're supposed to have like this. Ooh, he's, a, he's a little. He's a oh, little dubious. He, you got to see Truck Turner or something, man. He can do slimy real good. Can he? He's great. Yeah. You can do slimy. Um, and Jason slimed his way up to a, a point. So after the first round, uh, Jason has a commanding lead of one to zero to zero. It is still very much anybody's game. I'm running yeah, out of you, different cadences. You, you did just call it a commanding lead. So it's that's always literally, in scare quotes. Literally commanding. I, yeah. Uh, he has infinitely more points than y'all do. I'd that's say right. that's pretty commanding. Math. Um, Harry, we're over to you for your second question and, or statement. These aren't questions. Yafid Koto's film, Blue Collar, outgrossed its budget at the domestic box office. Is that true or false? Ooh. Uh, man. Paul Schrader, I feel like he's had a tumultuous relationship with box offices. And also, that's not exactly a box office darling. It does have Richard Pryor in it. Um... I'm going to say I love I love Blue Collar very much. It's probably my favorite Paul Schrader movie. It's amazing. Um, I don't think it probably grossed its box office at first, sadly. All right. All right. So we're going with false for that one. The uh, The budget of Blue Collar was uh, around $1.7 The domestic box office intake was around $6.5 million. Oh, uh, sick. So that was actually, that was actually true. Um, Apologies to Yafit Koto and Mr. Schrader. <laughs> Yeah, so a victory on that front, but not a victory for not a victory for Harry, who said false. Um, so bummer for Harry, but um, hey, uh, we got the the figurative metaphorical victory, and that is. I kind of thought it cost more to make that than that. That's a pretty low amount of money for a well, movie to, like. That. To be fair, one point seven million dollars in whatever what year did that come out? It's like it's nineteen seventy eight dollars yeah, now. You're right. Yeah, you're so, right. Um, something to consider. Uh, moving along to Aaron for your uh, your second. Um, statement to consider uh, of the seven main actors in the film Alien, Yafet Koto was the fourth oldest. You gave the <laughs> thumbs up. And I saw that smile wither away from your face. True. <laughs> true that. Oh, true that did have. Oh, true. You're saying true to the. Okay. So Aaron is saying true. To the question, um, That's my yeah, true, true. He did have that smile melt away. Um, that is, in fact, a true hierarchy. Uh, he was the so. The I'll just, I'll, 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 I'll run down the line here. Um, don't think I won't. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton 
uh, was the oldest of the cast. He was. He's always been fifty three years old. He was fifty three when he was fifty three. Um, I, I believe. I believe this was the year when they're going off of the year when the film was released. Um, so Harry Dean Stanton, fifty three. Back uh, to the Ian old Holm. freezeritos. <laughs> uh, Sir Ian Holm was 48 Tom Skerritt who played Dallas 46 then Yafet Koto at 42 John Hurt uh, 39 though he looked 89 um, Veronica Cartwright uh, 30 and then Sigourney Weaver finally at 28 um, so yeah Yafet Koto right smack dab in the middle some but, fucking uh, old kings and aliens I love that shit that yeah. rocks yeah uh, yeah that's what uh, that's what capitalism does to you um, a, a whole and a whole bunch more. Um, so yep, Aaron uh, on the board with that one. Moving down the line to Jason. Can you go for uh, two for two? We'll soon find out. Jason, Yasukoto yes, provide <laughs> you provided the voice of a character in a guest appearance on the show King of the Hill. Is that true or false? Oh man, this is. I'm just gonna say true. I true. Jason is gonna say true. The answer is false, but. <sighs> But if it's any consolation, he did play Marine Lance Corporal John Austin um, in the first season of Hawaii Five O in the nineteen sixty eight aired episode called King of the Hill. So that's uh, something. Ah, uh, you tricksy bastard! Oh my so god! Something. Silly rabbit. Points are for kids. Um, <laughs> and it, t- it turns out Jason and Aaron are both uh, kids at heart because they've each got a point. Harry uh, still with a donut. Uh, we got one more round though. Um, still very much anybody's game. It's, it's kind Jason of. or Aaron's game. Sure. Uh, if they get it wrong and you get a point, then you could tie them. Um, and that would that would be something. That would make it everyone's game. Harry, the this is the communist ground. ideal. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it all comes down to this for Harry. Uh, Harry, this is your third and final question. Yafet Koto was a vocal supporter of the Democratic candidates during the 2016 and 2020 presidential elections. Is that true or false? I believe he false. Here he's going with false, and that is indeed false. He supported he died in Trump, 2018. ladies and gents. Oh, wait, really? No, yeah. that can't be true. Nope. Yeah, oh, so you're no. right. Oh, yep. no. Wanted to slide that one point. in there. You got a point. You, got, yeah, you did matter. get a point. Yeah, you're having d- weird reactions to, to your last two you're questions. A point. What's the problem here? I don't want it like this, man. Not like this. Not like this. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, bummer. Uh, it, wow, it's like, man, it's like the ending of Across 110th Street in here. A lot of, uh, kind of a mixed bag of, of feelings and takeaways. Um, all right. Well, hey, it's a three-way tie for the lead. Harry has gotten on the board. He's currently tied with Aaron and Jason, who each have one more question to go. So, hey, well, let's see what happens. Uh, Aaron, this is your third and final prompt. Uh, and this this first sentence is not part of the question. It's just a lead up for, you okay. know, in case people aren't aware. Three of Yafet Koto's most well-known films are, are Alien, Midnight Run, which co-stars Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin, and the James Bond film Live and Let Die. Uh, so with that out of the way, here's the actual prompt. Uh, Alien grossed more at the domestic box office than Midnight Run and Live and Let Die combined. Is that true or false? I know box office is our favorite, absolute most favoritist topic. Mm-hmm. I actually so. do. That is actually my most favorite topic. And I usually get yeah. them right, especially compared to these two goofs. Are you just uh, off your name right now? You. It's going to be what? really, really fun when he gets this no, I'm gonna, I'm, And I'm going to say, I think the big unknown here is that I have no fucking idea what... I mean, I live and let die, I can make a... 
That's that's like one of the worst fucking Bond films too. I don't even know how that would have done at the box. Um, Roger. Uh, yeah, because gonna, bad movies do really bad at the box office. Well, I know, but it, it's like it, like Bond films were they were like big, but they were never like Jaws or something even back then. So I don't. Uh, I'm gonna say you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that uh, it did not gross as much as those two films. So is that based on the wording of your question? Is that false? Right. That would be yeah. So, yeah wrote, is, yes. False. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. The assertion was Alien grossed more than the two combined. I'm going to say false. false. You're going false. I'm going to okay. say false. Yeah. All right. So Midnight Run, domestic box office intake, $38 million. Live and Let Die, $35 million. Alien, $82 million. That was true. It was true. All right. So uh, no. So Aaron and Harry have both dug their one point deep graves. Uh, that's where they're at. Here we go, baby. All right. Ooh, so it all now it actually all comes down to this. Uh, Jason, your final question and the final question of the game determines whether or not you share the lead with these two gentlemen or you take uh, control of that lead for yourself. Here's the statement. Yafet Kodo is also the name of a jazz band that was active during the 90s and mid-2000s. Is that true or false? False. Jason is going with false. No hesitation. And it is indeed false. Because because it was not a jazz band. It was a hardcore punk band. And it was based out of Santa Cruz, California. Who would choose Jason? False? What a stupid answer to that question. <laughs> Fuck you, Jason. Nothing makes it's Harry happy anymore. Uh, Jason. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? It, it, we said it would have been funny if Jason won this, and you know what? I'm having it's a good laugh. It's pretty fucking got a smile funny, on my face. baby. Uh, Jason, it is uh, your opportunity to pop off. But first, I'll just say thank you. These have been Kodos Nodos. Thank you, Cody. Uh, yeah, I have nothing. I honestly did not expect to win. I, ne- I never expect to win these. Uh, so oh, I, I don't know. I, I will, I will take this moment to yeah. just every Sakura. single sound effect we got. No, please don't. Some the entirety bitch. of the theme song across. The- <laughs> that one's a little loud, but the Jeopardy theme, the doorbell, this is great. the drum roll, gonna, the buzzer can't, and the boxing bell. I turn off this. Okay. Everybody. Thank you for that. Uh, it w- it has been a pleasure to serve you all, uh, and a pleasure to play Cody's Noties in another exciting round. Thank you for ending our episodes on a whole lot of fun every time, Cody. Uh, Kodo, Kodo's Notos. We'll have to do another edition of Kodo's Notos uh, whenever Kodo appears in a movie. I want you to I want you to do a Kodo's Notos. Uh, but for this time, uh, we're gonna have to say goodbye at the end of this episode. Uh, this has been our episode about across 110th Street. It played at the Triline in August 2022 when this episode released, but. At the same time, we've also got the Nick Cage National Treasure series coming up. Um, just a few more movies left. Look forward to, or sorry, continuing. Jeez, it feels like it's been going forever, uh, but it'll be going through the end of the month, so you can expect more episodes about that from us with some cool uh, new guests. Well, we might have been our, at our last new guest, actually, for that series. I thought you were but... pausing at the descriptor of cool. It's like, hmm, are they cool guests? Mm, I'm not you know, sure. Uh, they might just be regular guests. In this, in this uh, cancel culture economy, I don't know if we can call people cool. Uh, uh, but uh, look forward to those. Uh, got some really fun guests lined up and fun episodes. Um, and then, hey, fall programming starts to uh, set in in September. So come back for those and visit trilon.org to get tickets to any showings you want to you wanna see. Get in touch with us at trilon.org. 
Cry Love podcast where you can uh, ask to be on the show even directly. Some people already have and they've made it. Uh, email us at trylovepodcast at gmail.com for the same. Just another way to get in touch with us. And uh, for right now, my name is Jason Daphnis. You can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. I'm not going to lie. I might uh, I might throw Alien on sometime in the near future. Uh, man, God, that movie fucking rules. Um Thanks, gents. Uh, thank you, dear listeners. I've been Cody Narvison. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. I'm Harry. You can find me on Twitter, I guess. I'm still pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty depressed about Yavit Cody. Um, <laughs> I'm I guess. Uh, and my, my name is Aaron. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RB, please. <sighs> I'm rolling. You see, I made my point ten times today, and I've still got the dice, and I'm gonna keep on rolling. Yeah.